0: Good morning, good evening, or good afternoon to all. Whatever time of day it is that you're listening, I thank you. In this episode of the Bucket Seat Podcast, I have the one and only Lawrence Yap back on the show for a whopping fourth visit. And this time he's back to let us know what it's like to experience the Goodwood Festival of Speed firsthand. I know that this festival is only about six months or so away, so it's kind of in the rearview mirror, but I think it falls perfectly into the camp of I should probably start looking at flights and booking accommodations now. That is, should you want to hop across the Atlantic this summer to get your own taste for the festival? As always, I love having Lawrence on the show, and I hope that his stories help to inspire you to get out there and find your own shows to visit, and allow you to have your own stories to tell to the next willing listener. Keep sharing, and I think we'll all keep the love for all things automotive alive and healthy. Enjoy the show. I'm your host, Trevor Byrne. And this is episode 56 of the Bucket Seat Podcast. I'm recording now, but we're just going to keep this. The Beast of Turin was awesome. That was the best thing. What's the Beast of Turin? Uh,
1: It is a car from 1911, it's a Fiat. has a 27 liter 4 cylinder engine.
0: Whoa, um, hang on, a yeah. 27 liter? Yeah,
1: you, you should google this and watch the watch there's videos of it. It's insane. I'm definitely going to check, check that out. Yeah, yeah.
0: Is it one of those like is it a something that Jay Leno also has yeah, one of? no,
1: but but he but it it, it is the, that kind of thing.
0: Right, okay. It's a spectacle yeah. on its own.
1: Yeah, there's some photos I took of it of it, it won some people's choice award. And um there's a photo of a couple of champagne bottles resting on the engine, like magnums of champagne in
0: the engine. Yeah. It's like completely dwarfs. It just dwarfs everything. <laughs> yeah,
1: you have to kind of drive it like you can't look forward because the engine is in front of the driver, so you have to kind of uh
0: uh-huh. side as you're steering. Right. It's really... It's, Driving a... That was the like coolest a, thing. ...a cruise ship. You yeah. need to know your corner's coming but it's half a kilometer away. It's fast. Jeez. Is it on super tiny yeah, little skinny, skinny tires Yeah, skinny too? little tires. Yeah. Yeah, 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 wooden wheels. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah.
1: yeah, but that that was the best thing about Goodwood by far. Crazy. So anyway.
0: Well, I mean, as we, you know, now that we've got, a, we've got that already. As Go a and bit look of for our, the Beast as, of Turin, yeah, people. Yeah, there it is. I mean, how better to start an episode that we're going to talk about the Goodwood Festival of Speed with the one and only Mr. Lawrence Yap. And so, Lawrence, thank you so much for being on the show tonight. Thanks again for having you, Trevor. Love having you back. I love that. I mean, I got to have your name engraved in our table, so you've got a (laughs) permanent spot at it. I love having you back here. Um, I think this is your whopping fourth appearance, and you are now on the record or in the bucket seat record book for most appearances on the show other than me.
1: And that's that's not just because <laughs> I live around the corner.
0: No, it's not. It's not. It's because I legitimately want you here. Yeah. Um, and also, I have to admit, you do super cool things in and around the automotive world on a regular basis that I love talking to you about. So why better? Or what better of an environment to talk about it than on a podcast? So I've got you back here. Um, and in the context of this conversation, we're going to talk about the Goodwood Festival of Speed that you attended back in July.
1: It feels like it was not that long ago, but it really was quite a long time.
0: Right. Um, and maybe, um, why don't, I guess I'm going to rearrange a few of my questions here. If someone didn't know what the Goodwood Festival of Speed is, how would you describe it to them?
1: Well, I think the best way to describe the Goodwood Festival of Speed is like a moving garden party at a castle. Uh, so Lord March, who is no longer Lord March, he's the Earl of something. Um, anyway, <laughs> yeah. he was Lord March, and now he's got an even better title, uh, has this massive country estate mm-hmm. that you kind of need to pay the bills to keep the lights on and keep the water running and stuff. And 25 years ago, I had this bright idea. He's a car enthusiast himself, and he said... We've got a hill we've got roads we've got a big field let's have a car show and let's let people drive up and down the hill and it started very small um that was 25 years 25 ago. years ago yeah and now i would classify it as probably the best car show on the planet not because it's the biggest not because it necessarily has all of the best cars it has most of the best cars but because you get to see all of these amazing cars running. And it is a combination of new stuff. So uh, the car manufacturers use this as a venue to introduce new cars, particularly high-end stuff because it's at a castle and tickets are a certain amount of money and Mm -hmm. the kind of people who come to the show have have a certain amount of net worth, Uh, but also vintage stuff and also race cars. And so at regular intervals during the day, you'll have a parade of cars you know, going up, ripping up the hill once, one at a time. So...
0: And again, so if somebody didn't know what was happening, yeah. when you say they're ripping up the hill, I mean, that is a competitive environment. That that it is, That yeah. kind of hill climb, not yeah. in the, it's not a... Um, it's not super it's not
1: competitive, a, but anybody that has an ounce of petrol in their bloods, you know, they kind of get on there and it's like, okay, how fast can I get up the hill? And so there is, you know, they do actually time it. And on the Sunday... Uh, they do have a shootout to see who's fastest, right?
0: And we're not talking about like a Mount Washington hill climb no. that's crazy and super treacherous, but there are hay bales certain, to hit. Yeah, there's hay bales yeah. and one wall. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, and there is one big stone wall. Yeah, yeah. Um, interesting. And then and so is it? If, now I don't want to I don't want to confuse because I know there are two different events. There is Goodwood Revival which the is Goodwood a race Revival. series on the circuit. Exactly. And then the Goodwood Festival of Speed is what you had attended. Is it, am, am I correct in saying that there's a lot of people who also dress in the period correct kind of garb? You
1: see more of the vintage uh, uh, dress at the Goodwood Revival. At the Revival, okay, but, okay, gotcha. you know, the many of the people that come to the Festival <laughs> of Speed treat it as a bit of a fancy dress party as well. And <laughs> yeah. You see great hats and jackets and... It being Europe, you know, purple, you know, and maroon trousers are quite common. Right. Um, But, yeah, I mean, the real attraction is seeing all these cars go up the hill. So you'll one hour you might have every F1 car you've ever dreamed of seeing running up the hill and and coming back down. Then it'll be a bunch of new production cars. And then it'll be, um, you know, uh, this year was the 70th anniversary of Porsche was the theme. So Mm -hmm. every significant Porsche that you've ever dreamed of seeing driving up the hill. So, uh, you know. The attraction is getting being able to get close to all of these cars. So yep. it being kind of show that's in the middle of the country with a relatively high ticket price. It's not a huge crowd, even though it is a big crowd. So you can get up close to stuff. There's no barriers to anything. You can talk to the wow. owners of the cars. You can, you can sit in them, you know, all of this sort of stuff. And then later on in the day, you'll be able to see the car drive up the hill.
0: And so is it is it organized and kind of arranged on the grounds in a similar fashion to what you'd have most car shows? You have lines and rows of all of these cars that just, in this case, they just happen to be completely priceless examples of some of the most beautiful cars in the world?
1: Uh, it, it, because the estate is so big, it's kind of divided up into sections. So the historic race cars are set up in paddocks, just like you, know, you would see at an F1 race. Um, and then you have kind of a manufacturer alley where... You know it's gotten increasingly ambitious over the years uh with their displays to the point where the displays that you see outdoors at the festival of speed are nicer than you'll see indoors at any major auto show no kidding uh, no. bmw had a three-story you know temporary pavilion what uh with a cafe on the roof and you know just dis- interactive displays and stuff oh, wow um so you know, there's kind of a manufacturer area and then there is a supercar paddock where all of the high-end supercars are kept. And then.
0: And sorry, are those typically all owner's cars or parts a, of collections? A little bit of
1: a mix of people's cars as well as manufacturers bring cars mm-hmm. to uh, be introduced. Right. So, for instance, you know, this is the first time people saw the McLaren Senna moving. Oh, yeah. Uh, Singer had the um, DLS dynamic and lightweight study going up the hill. Oh, my God. Uh, the, you know, uh, there's this um, Apollo. Uh, what used to be the Gumpert Apollo mm-hmm. and they've got a new car. so there was this just paddock of priceless kind of one-off prototype stuff that was also running up the hill and you know oh, you got crazy. to see them and hear them
0: I mean that it's so phenomenal. and so yeah. uh, if we kind of take a step back to the the grounds of Goodwood yeah. are so that's the south of south on the island in in England. um so north of I was just writing this down. so Portsmouth and Brighton, mm-hmm. I can't remember that's chin. Chintin or something like that. I can't remember the name of yeah. the actual town that's closest to... Follow your sat-nav. The, the internet will correct yeah. me. Um, so when you go there, um, when you go... I, I've, I've never been to London. I have actually never been to England. Mm. Um, when you're there, I mean, what's weather like this time of year in the summer? Is it nice? Is it Well, uh, in July, it was dreary?
1: they were in the middle of a month and a half long heat wave. They had not had mm. rain in a month and a half.
0: Which doesn't sound very common. No,
1: which was completely uncommon. Uh, so the weather was spectacular. Amazing, uh, whether that's something you can expect every year, I don't know, but it was amazing <laughs> right. this year,
0: yeah. And so do you fly, did you fly to Gatwick or Heathrow? We
1: flew into Heathrow, so I okay. went with a uh, a couple of friends that are planning uh, a motoring event uh, in 2020, and they were there doing research. Oh, cool. And I was there to help introduce them to some people mm-hmm. as well as you know, kind of show them around. Uh, one of them rented a yellow Kia Stinger, and uh, we drove around in a Kia Stinger for, for a few days, which was pretty cool.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Um, what do you like on the, the wrong side of the road while you're driving? Uh,
1: you know, I don't do enough of it to feel comfortable. Yeah, So uh, you're nervous the whole time.
0: That's kind of how I thought I'd feel. I, I've yet to do it, um, yeah. but I I just got back. We were in France, and we'd rented these great big Mercedes NV250, I think they were called, Yeah, something along that. And man, they're great, great diesel buses, yes. little mini buses. And uh, even just getting acclimatized to the some of the nuances of French driving. And the, and the
1: width of the road. <clears throat> width yeah. of, the, width yeah. of the road's
0: huge. I love the 130 kilometer an hour speed limits. Yes. That's phenomenal. Oh my God, that was so good. And then people are doing 150, like it's, you know, yeah. it's no issue. Yeah. Uh, the roundabouts are awesome. Please, I want more roundabouts in my life. Yeah. I really like that. Uh, but anyways, okay, so, um, right, you said you weren't still not necessarily totally comfortable with it. Do you guys stay near the near Goodwood or what, what were you doing in terms uh, well, of accommodations? we
1: decided... Uh, to go kind of a little bit last minute. So, Mm -hmm. you know, depending on how much money you want to spend, you can actually do Goodwood and Grant style and stay at the castle. Um, You can stay on the ground in a lovely country house. Oh, wow. There is a company that puts on a beautiful temporary kind of hotel using tents in a uh, field
0: dare I mean, we say glamping yeah glamp you know you could you can, you can <laughs> I glamp. hate that word but yes you can
1: glamp in a field next to uh, goodwood estates which is actually amazing that's pretty cool we had a very dodgy little um pub slash hotel in bognor regis okay uh which was about a 40 minute drive away uh, uh-huh. but right by the water so you oh. know it was all right cool yeah
0: And now uh, you don't have to say if you don't want or if it's, you know, based on a business trip, but is it an expensive um, endeavor if you were to go kind of the way that you went?
1: If you can get get yourself over there, uh, the tickets, you know, so if you buy a ticket that gets you access to pretty much everything for four days i think it ends up working out to about 300 bucks it's not cheap okay yeah i Uh, I was
0: to be honest i was expecting more just with my preconceived notions of how grand it is
1: yeah i you know what where it gets expensive is because it's out there and you need accommodations uh, right and you really do need to go for at least you know a couple of the days and not not just pop in for the day um it is i think it's expensive but I also consider it to be excellent value for money, given that if you went to Monterey Car Week, mm. you could spend six hundred bucks going to a one-day show at the Quail. You could spend four hundred bucks going to a morning at Pebble Beach. Uh, in that context, I think you know three hundred dollars for a four-day ticket to Goodwood is amazing, and you get to see the cars moving.
0: I had no clue those other events were so expensive. That's insane. Monterey is very, very expensive. Wow. And then what about like, um, what's the other one? Amelia Island? Amelia Island, I think you're
1: you're probably in the couple of hundred dollars range as well. Yeah.
0: Have you been down to Amelia Island? It's been years, yeah. I've never been. I yeah. really want to go down there. Okay. Yeah. Um, so while you were there if you were to be able to give some highlights and lowlights because often people don't talk about were there any lowlights and that could be show-based that could be vehicle-based that could be just general experience based Mm -hmm. um what what would you say was the was the high point for you while you were there
1: i think the high point was you know you have such great access to cars and people so being able to have conversations with people around these cars is very interesting so um i love old cars but i don't know that much about really old cars my kind of knowledge about old cars is kind of 50s to 70s you know european sports cars is kind of like where my head is at Mm -hmm. Um, some of the coolest things that we saw at goodwood uh we were talking about the beast of turin earlier that's a uh 1910 or 1911 fiat with a 27 liter four-cylinder engine uh that is so tall that you can't see past it. So you've got to drive it with your head out the side of the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to be able to see that car run up the hill um, and to be able to talk to its owner was incredible. Uh, the Mercedes Museum brought a uh, six-wheeled, uh, 30-foot-long uh, land speed record car that was designed by ferdinand porsche uh in uh to run in 1937. how many wheels Uh, six wheels uh has a 28 liter 12 cylinder engine (laughs) it's so crazy Uh, was designed to do upwards of 500 kilometers an hour and never actually got to do its record run because of the outbreak of World War II. Oh, Um, yeah, that
0: little thing that stopped it. (laughs) Yeah, so
1: the the skin of this car lives in the Mercedes Museum and they've just finished rebuilding the engine and the structure, and so they brought that along. And that was pretty incredible because there was a gentleman there from the Mercedes Museum that knew all about it and was involved in its restoration. So that was very cool um sorry
0: what was the name of that again it
1: was the uh i believe it was called the t39
0: okay yeah you've got a great memory i would never remember it's an amazing (laughs) thing like
1: just google six-wheeled mercedes land speed record car and you'll you'll come across it wow it's it's pretty incredible
0: so stuff like that
1: was was quite a highlight you know
0: and he's just kind of wandering around near the vehicle yeah he kind of
1: hangs out by the by the car and you know everybody's there to answer questions Because it was the 70th anniversary of Porsche, they had an incredible paddock with representatives from the museum there. That was amazing. And then if you you like modern supercars, you'll see everything for the first time at Goodwood. And and to see it running was really cool. Uh, There weren't really any lowlights other than it's a big show, your feet hurt. Um, If you want to watch the cars go up the hill from a grandstand, uh, trying to find a seat is difficult. Actually... Trying to find a bathroom is was challenging on site. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a uh, concert, yeah. But, you know, the it's just really, really well run in general. Uh, one of the coolest things was actually a um, forest rally stage, which they'd done for the first time this year. Uh, so you had to walk way up the hill, but they hired mm-hmm. Hanu Mikola to design a forest rally stage. So there was, like, a whole complete other paddock of, like, old group b rally cars oh no way and uh historic rally cars there was a massive display of ex richard burns and colin mcrae subarus oh, man. <laughs> uh, that were being run up and down the hill so that was yep. that was pretty cool as well so i don't really think that there were any low lights uh we kind of ended up having to get out of there and uh get to the airport before the final uh, sort of shootout on the hill mm, uh, okay. happened. So we just watched it on, their, on our phones. And yeah, right. the streaming service of, uh, you know, the Goodwood Road and Racing Club is amazing. Right, And so they streamed it and we were watching
0: it on our phones. And much like something. a lot of auto racing that you can't be a spectator in many places yeah. at once for, usually watching it ends up being an easier way to enjoy it. to yeah. get 25 camera angles instead of one just line of sight.
1: But what was really cool is that you Know, even though we didn't get to see the final shoe out through the last three days, we had seen all of those cars go up the hill already,
0: right? And you're familiar with the train, and you'd walk there, and it's That's all right. familiar. I like that, yeah. Um, yeah, so going up that uh, that hill climb, I mean, I'd watched some of the highlights of it, so there was. A completely autonomous vehicle ran for the first time, and yeah, you'd Robo said, Race. You'd said yeah. there's actually two that ran.
1: Yeah, there were. So Robo Race is a going to be a support series for Formula E. The cars are designed by uh, a gent named Daniel Simon, and it is a very, very cool looking autonomous race car. Mm-hmm. Daniel Simon, if you haven't heard of him. Uh, there's he did a book uh, many years ago called Cosmic Motors. Okay, uh, and he uh, is a car designer by trade, but he's done a lot of uh, film and TV work. So a lot of the cars you've seen in the movies and sci-fi films, he's designed. He does work for Singer, uh, kind of in the background on helping them out with some stuff. Oh, wow. Um, so that was one of the autonomous cars that went up, and there was and Siemens actually brought a uh, 1965 Mustang that they had. Um, embedded a bunch of autonomous driving uh, technology, and and they were taking spectators for rides up the Goodwood Hill. Whoa, no in way! This autonomous Mustang.
0: I would have never thought they would have opened it up to spectators. Yeah,
1: well, plate. and you know they were they were kind of select people that they'd kind of selected, right. but yeah, that's, they were that's giving signed rides. Sixty-page waiver. To yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I
0: swear, I will not sue you. Anyway. Yeah, it
1: was pretty incredible, uh, and uh, I think it had. One just minor hay bale contact. And it's still pretty remarkable given yeah. the state of the technology. So. Um,
0: what else was there? There was a VW's fully electric. I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, um,
1: It was the car, their Pike's Peak car. Oh, that was the Pike's Peak that car. That was the Pike's Peak
0: car. Uh, right. And which it was, set the record at Pike's Peak. Was it Roman Dumas who was also piloting That's it correct. at Pike's Peak? Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, Roman Dumas is an interesting guy. He was a ex Porsche factory racing driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, Actually, I got to know Roman uh, during the training for the Trans-Siberia rally in oh, 2007 yeah. and 2008. So we did a lot of the training for that event kind of in his backyard and his dad cooked us lunch and stuff. Come so it was on. really cool. But Roman <laughs> uh, drove the RS Spiders in the American Le Mans series, you know, mm. drove at Le Mans. And because Porsche is now part of the VW group, he sort of gets loaned out uh, to different divisions of the VW group. And so he's been doing Pike's Peak for the last number of years and setting records and VW set the record at Pike's Peak. And then they took that same car to Goodwood and they set the record up the Goodwood Hill as well.
0: It was, it was far and away the fastest car this year. Wow. Yeah. It was phenomenal watching it. I mean, I'm still, I'm not on the fence. I still just am not in, in love with the lack of sound that is generated that I'm just, yeah. I'm expecting so much. I know I'm going to get over that. I, I sound like an The performance an ancient, is there. But yeah. The performance is certainly there. Yeah, And uh, Pike's
1: Peak cars are kind of unlimited, right? There's no mm-hmm. real limitations. So the amount of aerodynamic downforce they generate is incredible.
0: Right. Um, what else do we have? Oh, right. The new... The all-new Supra made an appearance, and you had a funny response to that earlier. Yeah, well, you know, I mean,
1: I, I like most of most of your listeners, probably are waiting very eagerly for Toyota to, to finally show us the Supra. So mm-hmm. they brought the Supra. Mm-hmm. It was still in camo. Yep. It still had, um, you know, felt all over the interior, hiding all of the interior bits. The thing that I can say is that it sounds awesome
0: right um, and that's probably there's one of two motors that they've released which is it there's seems a six, like it yeah there's the six and there's the four
1: yeah it right. seems like there's going to be a six and the four this is the six mm-hmm. it sounds awesome mm-hmm. uh looking at it through a BMW lens that I may be more familiar oh, with. right,
0: because it's about BMW power plant. Uh, power yeah, plants. it's
1: it's, uh, it's there's some shared technology with BMW, not mm-hmm. just in the power plant, but in some of the chassis components. Right. The braking system looks like it's very similar to BMW, and it's got an iDrive controller. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> a dead giveaway, yeah. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that car. I think it's going to be amazing. It'll be interesting to see how they price it, but... Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm the proportions look right it looks compact and kind of angry uh yeah. and i really hope that you know the next time we see it it's not going to have any camo i
0: think i think just recently like and i'm saying just recently as in maybe in the last few days yeah. something was released because as uh i don't know if it was smoking tire or the Hooniverse or maybe i or maybe it was even the unnamed uh, automotive podcast yeah. with sammy and benjamin but someone was talking about a very distinct definition between the two motors that have been released and a bit more information about it. So I'll have to take a look. There
1: was an online BMW parts catalog that for about a day had a listing of a ton of Supra parts. No kidding. No uh, for God. both a, thir- a, thir- a Supra 30i and a Supra 40i. And then okay. by the end of that day, all of those Supra parts were off of that BMW. Ah, go so, figure. Anyway, it's going to be really interesting. <laughs> yeah. I think that car, you know, it looks like it's the right size. It sounds great. Uh, pretty excited about the Supra.
0: So um, when we were, we were talking, obviously, about the autonomous side and the electric yeah. side, and it, it, is, it is really becoming a recurring topic on the show it has become a recurring topic on the show and um, we're not going to get away from it but having been to an event like goodwood festival of speed your exposure to electrification and autonomy even you know electrification hybrid engine systems or motor Mm -hmm. systems and 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 autonomy are clearly becoming a part of the culture that's that's being driven forward by these events What did you see there that, um, would signal kind of any new changes or did you see anything new or something that, um, that made you think a bit differently, but what's happening out there right now? Was there, is that, is that a venue for it?
1: Yeah. I think the, the, the most interesting thing about Goodwood is that, you know, e- even now it remains, it, you know, it's image remains a little old school yeah. because it's a mix of new stuff as well as, you know, vintage race cars and vintage, um, sports cars and you know even the fact that it's at this fabulous old country house um but the organizers i think have made a very concerted effort to embrace new technology so one of the interesting things at this year's event was a you know almost like a kind of epcot center style pavilion of the future okay you know where they had uh robo race was part of that where they had a a number of companies that were sort of innovating in that space and i think ultimately you know with especially these kind of wealthy uh customers that that love these supercars that love these vintage cars so many of them live in uh congested cities uh where they actually probably can see the benefits of electrified cars because they have to, you know, walk to work in smog, or right. where or autonomous city- is appealing to them because traffic in London, even with the twenty pound congestion charge, is still insane.
0: I was just going to say, yeah, that that must have such a significant yeah. impact.
1: So, you know, I think the uh, the organizers always have tried to to sort of position this show as being, you know, more progressive than than just an old car show. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, it was uh, particularly noticeable and. I don't know. I think, you know, even though I'm still a, you know, you'll pry my gear lever and steering wheel out of my cold dead fingers. <laughs> like, yeah. There are times when you're sitting on the 401 in traffic just going like, this is miserable.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree um, with you completely on that. So,
1: you know, it, it, is it coming? Yes. Do I want it? I don't know. So long as I've still got the option to take the wheel and to take control of the car, I think I'm probably going to be okay with it and most people will be. Um what i think that that is going to fuel is a growth in the other side of the hobby where people are going to be willing to spend more of their time and more of their money we're already seeing this on these ultra analog kind of experiences and that's why uh, okay that's why goodwood has continued to grow that's why you know vintage cars uh, have appreciated so much in value that's why racetracks are now increasingly difficult to book because people you know are willing to spend the time and the money to go and experience their cars when they're under their own control
0: no kidding so i didn't know that at all in terms of any potential trends in terms of um you know track bookings and popularity and congestion yeah. at tracks i mean i'm happy to hear that we, but i didn't know that that was that that's happening
1: yeah we do a lot of business with canadian tire motorsport park and one of our biggest challenges now is actually competing with everybody for track time to book the track for a day is actually they they've done such a good job with renovating that facility and attracting business that they're like booked solid during the season. Trying to get a day at the track is really difficult now. Wow. Which is wonderful news for everybody,
0: right? It is, yeah. And it's even wonderful news for their own competitors when you look at, you know, TMP and Ca- exactly. Cayuga yeah. and was it Shannonville? Yeah. I mean, great, send more people out there and those end up being kind of feeder series into the more organized ones and lap day or lapping days that happen at yeah. CTMP.
1: And and what's going to happen is that as uh, for people that are interested in driving, they're going to spend more of their time and money going to tracks to drive, probably. And for those of us uh, that aren't interested in driving, they're not going to have to anymore. Yeah. And that's good. They can just forget about it. Yeah, they can just forget about it. The the (laughs) car will do it for them or and and they can still have the convenience of going door to door. And that's that's good because frankly, you know, the worst thing on the road is somebody that doesn't want to be driving, that's driving and is either distracted or not paying attention or not skilled or whatever.
0: Uh, And I've said it on probably the last five shows in a row, but the one upside to autonomous transport, I think if it ends up working on a, on a, um, on a driver to driver basis versus just a commercial basis is that all the great driving roads are probably going to be ours now. They're all going to be yeah. free. Autonomous cars. Are well, not, they may are not, are not be free. Them. You
1: may end up having to pay to. Oh, sorry. Yeah,
0: no, monetarily maybe not free, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. But um, I think but driving in terms is Being is, occupied though, yeah. they may not. I mean, autonomous cars aren't going to choose a difficult road like the ones we like That's to go right. drive on. So hey, maybe those all become ours more so.
1: Driving as a hobby is going to become easier, but more expensive.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm so with you on that. It, it just it just dawned on me as we were talking about it, and you'd mentioned um sorry the name of the electric cars robo robo Robo-Race. Robo-Race. Yes. Robo-Race. And you'd said that it's it's actually partnering with Formula E as a... It is
1: a support series for Formula E.
0: Now, that is is fascinating. And when we were just talking about CTMP and I was thinking about it, um, having a fully autonomous electric vehicle race series Mm -hmm. is kind of interesting. It's just an enigma to me in terms of... I could see a lot of support online in terms of viewership. Yeah. But maybe not so much in person. You know, you're not gonna be driving huge crowds necessarily, but maybe yeah, that's maybe I, I think it's
1: well. it's a support series and one of the things that Formula E has really tried to make an effort to do, which I think is brilliant, is because the cars are clean, they're not noisy, mm-hmm. they don't generate a ton of fumes and pollution. Formula E is really focused on racing in city centers. And Uh, yeah, that's a huge advantage in, by doing that, they actually attract more attention to motorsport from urban dwellers, which I think is, which I think
0: is a good thing. Never thought about it that way. Yeah. So, you know, race
1: in the center of London, you know, last year they were racing in the middle of Montreal. Yeah. Uh, that's not stuff, stuff that (laughs) typically gets done very much anymore. Right. Yeah. And so to make motorsport accessible like that is actually pretty cool.
0: I love that spin on it. That's great. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, another question that just dawned on me as we're talking about this, because I know that it is recent and significant news, um, in terms of its newsworthiness, but also I think the merit or the challenges that come with it, which is the, uh, and now I'm going to butcher, I I can't remember the, the formal name for it, but it is the all female, um, formula one feeder series support series. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I, you know, I have a pretty strong opinion on it, and mm-hmm. I, th- I think motorsport, you know, is one of the sports where I think that you can, you know, hand on heart, a hundred percent say that there should be no distinction between men and women because you're in control of a machine. I you agree know, with you. Any kind of, uh, uh, you know, from a physical standpoint, physical advantages of guys just being bigger. Or stronger, you know, that
0: doesn't matter. I'm no, there really isn't an advantage that way. You know,
1: you got to be able to control the car. Yeah. Uh, controlling the car doesn't require a huge amount of strength now, except maybe in you know your neck muscles in Formula One. Sure. Yep. Um, really, it's about intellect and it's about uh, strategy and it's about uh, control. So, I don't know. I don't. You're I don't. Going, get wait it. a
0: minute. Those are. F- phenomenal female traits that really could help a yeah. driver to excel. Yeah. I think it's the long... To me, at least, it's the long-standing establishment that is the barrier. And, and, and
1: who's profiting from this, you know, all-female race series? It's a bunch of guys that own it. Yeah,
0: isn't it Colhart um, or... um I yeah, Colthard is Colthart involved Hart, with and, it, yeah, and, and
1: Colthard cool. is a guy I have a lot of respect for. Yeah, uh, and I believe Ron Dennis is part of this mm, consortium as yeah, well. And go it's figure! Like, oh my god, you know. So, wait a minute.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I've seen a bunch of very interesting quotes from female race drivers yeah. uh, that um, that that I think share a very similar opinion to you. That I is, know a lot of
1: women that can drive way better than a lot of guys that I know, and I know a lot of women that have been very successful in motorsport. Mm-hmm. And, for them, it's a point of pride to be able to compete on the same level.
0: Yep, I. So you and I share very similar opinions on that. Yeah, I think that the, I think that the fanfare behind all of it, um, if anything, the only advantage that I see that comes from it. Well, I'm sure there are more advantages, but the advantage that I saw most distinctly was that because of the establishment that mm-hmm. men have created in the world of racing. If this gives any drivers who might not have had a, a shot because of politics yes. in the past now have a shot at exposure in a race series that because it's female it's, it's a female race series and they can get a se- seat in the car and they can get a spot at the table and they became noticed or they got a shot at a, at another series beyond that because of it mm-hmm. great I think that that's a great way to um, to be able to to benefit from it but, but I, th-
1: I also think it becomes a little bit of a ghetto. Mm. You know, and it's like, okay, well, you, you know, guys that want to be chauvinistic and go, okay, well, yeah, you won in your little series, but, Uh and, you know, on the other hand, you know, look outside of the driver's seat and there have been a number of very successful race and rally drivers over the years you know the michelle moutons of the world the uh you know even danica patrick we can point to of course yeah simona de silvestri in formula one mm-hmm. like look at the number of major league women you know running teams uh you know engineering you know the, the head engineer on the uh, Audi Le Mans effort, you know, in the last, like th- the last three times they won was, was a woman like, what about that? Right. So anyway,
0: we that there's another episode. Yeah. No kidding. I mean, and, and based on yeah. the last few guests that I've had, I'm sure I could, we could have some very, uh, not even heated debate, but I think we should have very interesting conversations with yeah. some of the last female guests that I've had on the show, exactly. which. Yeah. Um, I'm also happy to have been able to, to have um, that we've, we've got a great female contingent in Toronto in particular when it Absolutely. comes to the automotive industry. So yeah. um, I think we'll uh, we'll definitely follow the progress or progression of that race series pretty closely. And uh, I'm sure it'll be the topic of much discussion as we continue <laughs> on on this. Um, so, you know, in terms of, we were talking about a lot in terms of uh, racing, and I know that FAF has had a lot of involvement in racing over this season. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that we should be aware of or that's upcoming from FAF as a, as a both an automotive group but also from a racing standpoint um, in 2019? Yeah,
1: it's sort of interesting. So we won in our... I say we, I had nothing to do with this effort. I just <laughs> sort of sat back and watched it happen. But
0: uh, Very happily watched very it happen. Very happily,
1: yeah. we uh, went to the Pirelli World Challenge in 2018, uh, won the GT Sprint Championship. Uh, Amazing, in our, kudos. In, in our rookie year. So Scott Hargrove, uh, you mm-hmm. know, did an amazing job in the GT three R um, partnered with uh, Porsche factory driver, Wolf Hensler uh, for the longer races. So we had some support from Porsche as well, which is amazing to that develop is amazing. that relationship with them as a manufacturer uh, next year. A year early, actually, in terms of our five-year plan. We are moving up to the uh, IMSA WeatherTech Series.
0: No kidding. Uh, wow.
1: So Scott, who is an uh, alumnus of the Porsche GT3 Canada Series, which I was involved in you know, back in the day, mm-hmm. um, is partnering with uh, this year's Porsche GT3 Cup Canada champion, Zach Robichon. So they're going to be driving... In all of the uh, IMSA uh, WeatherTech r- uh, Sprint races next year, we're looking at the endurance stuff as well. We'll see if we end up doing that. Um, but brand new 2019 GT3 R on its way. Uh, the current one is for sale. If you know anybody that's interested, oh yeah, I mean, um, sign
0: me up. Hang on, I want first right of refusal. It's, it's sitting in a, <laughs> sitting in our Porsche showroom right now. So that's right.
1: that's kind of the big news on the racing front. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Uh, I, I was going to say last year, but really this year we did a uh, an online and kind of live uh, gaming championship. Uh, That's right. That culminated in an event uh, in February mm-hmm. at uh, at a Cineplex theater. Uh, so we've once again partnered with World Gaming to do this again. Uh, we're going to do it with Forza Motorsport Seven as the partner game, and the big news is that we are going to take <coughs> the it's live easy. event. Um. To the auto show, so there will be a ten-day uh, Xbox Forza Motorsport FAF racing championship at the auto show on the seven hundred level. That will come in, culminate in a one-day, you know, shootout on the last day of the show. Wow. So wait,
0: hang on. Does anybody know about this outside of me right now? Did no, you this just break
1: is that news? Uh, no, this is this is brand new. Uh, the contract uh, got just the got signed here. last week. Amazing.
0: Um, and we're in
1: the process of building out all the assets, but it's going to be uh, it's super exciting. There'll be we're going to kick it off uh, just before December. Uh, there'll be eight weeks of online qualifying, mm-hmm. uh, so you can set lap times. It'll be integrated into the home screen of your Xbox. So you can turn your Xbox on and join the tournament. Wow! Uh, so it's pretty exciting. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's phenomenal. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. a lot that's, of us got into cars because of video games. Right? I so. I could not agree more. I mean, it is what it's what hooked me. Yeah. You know, and um, having time, even though it wasn't actually ever behind a wheel, we always were just yeah. Using I was the always better with the controller. Yeah, we were just wheel. always using the yeah. rec- controllers. Um, I mean, that's really exciting for the oh. FAF group, and I I feel like. Um, there really aren't a lot of companies that could do it with the same credibility as you guys, and I, I'm really happy to see that. I'm really happy and, and excited to be able to come down and yeah, and check it all out. Too. We're really
1: we're really lucky. You know, our 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 CEO really believes in this stuff, and he is, you know, always willing to listen to crazy ideas, mm-hmm. and he loves engaging with um, enthusiasts at whatever level, however old they are, uh, however young they are. Uh, and you know part of our intention with this is to kind of connect the dots with real racing mm-hmm. uh, So the plan is that, Uh, the winner of this live gaming event will actually get the chance to test a race car with us in the spring. Whoa,
0: crazy. Yeah. Well, you're kind of creating your own, um, I mean, I I know it's very different, but um, the GT Academy, when they did that with PlayStation, um, that developed a lot of really great drivers that are still running today. Yeah, Um, and
1: certainly our history in Canada has been about trying to develop, you know, Canadian driving talent. And we think that this is kind of a way to connect what we do in kind of real cars mm-hmm. to this virtual world where a lot of people are kind of filling that lower end of the funnel
0: yeah and yeah. and in 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 certain ways as well connecting with this new younger kind of more youthful demographic mm-hmm. that's starting to come up that would never normally be touching cars but sure. had an opportunity to get behind the wheel of a of a race simulator and they're hooked and all of a sudden you get them into a real car and they go, Oh, and now there's all these other things that I feel while I'm in here. Yeah,
1: well, I I stopped being a video game enthusiast when I got behind the wheel of a real car. And I think, you know, one of the things that we think about and that I think the industry needs to think more about is when People have the option of not driving. What can we all do to inspire them to continue to be interested in this subject matter that we all care so much about? Right.
0: You know what? Very relevant. Um, I just on the weekend experienced for the first time the K1 Speed oh, electric yeah. carts. And talk about the talk about the uh, combination of the gamer mentality yeah. uh, and, of course, the racing spirit with these electric carts Mm -hmm. oh my god i was so hooked you know as soon as i got out there we did myself and um aaron jack who um, has actually been a photography contributor to the bucket seat a few times we've been running autocross all summer Mm -hmm. and of course that's really fun but it's very different when you've got very different vehicles out on the track at the same time Mm -hmm. and so we thought um we're actually supposed to be out at um toronto motorsports park in cayuga mm. they had a lapping day but it was like three degrees and oh, wet yeah. and yeah. i still love summers on the sti yeah. and i thought you know what maybe not the right day to run off track and, dump and there it into is a wall, a wall. yeah, yeah. There, there's there's a wall before that long straight yeah. Yeah. i could just picture even going off in some of the the rougher stuff you yeah. know and might rip a splitter off and be done yeah. so we thought okay what's a more civilized thing to do in a day like today well yeah. let's check out k1 we went there at ten thirty on a sunday morning and there was next to nobody there. Wow. There was a driving academy that was being run. Yeah. And we just kind of found our spots in between their sessions. And it was the most fun I've had in a very long time. I mean, I could see if you if you were running that track day in and day out, mm. of course, it would get a little bit, well, it'd get very monotonous. Mm. But having the immediate satisfaction of getting out of the cart Taking off your helmet, walking out the gate, and picking up There's your, your, race, times. your yeah. lap times and yeah. race sheet, and uh, I am, I'm happy to say that I made it into the 95th percentile of of times on that track, which was pretty nice. It's pretty good. Um, still uh, couldn't break 24 seconds, but got close. And I feel like uh, maybe the next time we did three sessions, and yeah. I think maybe next time I can kind of whittle myself down. But on that note, I'm actually going to be organizing a bucket seat track day at k1 speed oh i'm all over Uh, that and um there'll be uh there'll be a fairly select kind of invite list i think i'll do between 10 and 15 people Mm. um and i may actually ask them to run instead of running their um, actual like grid and race format we might just do time trials yeah and just let everybody go out and just run and run and run and run for the first one and then the uh, maybe later on near the end of the winter i'll do another one where we will actually do like full practice qualifying and race yeah um because that's such a different world right and and i, I really love trying to go against the clock and even though you're out there still rubbing a bit with everybody else that's out mm-hmm. uh, it's so much fun so yeah. i mean and this uh i think this episode will come out as the third or fourth episode in this series so It's likely it'll be uh, when you're listening to this kind of uh, mid-December. So if you're listening, I'll try to time it so we get out um, kind of end of December probably to do this all. Uh, If you're in Toronto and if you want to fly in to try to compete, let's do it. Um, (laughs) I think it'll be pretty, I think it ends up being pretty cheap for everyone when I organize it all as one big go um, between 50 and 75 bucks at most. I may even try to subsidize it a bit. Yeah. Um, but, um, we'll see. So anyways, stay tuned for that. Cause I really find that that's not, that awesome crossover between gaming, video gaming and yeah. race driving and, yeah. you know, Canada and yeah. winters and cold weather. The next so. thought
1: to connect is karting, right? That's oh, a-
0: totally. And I think next year we'll probably, we'll continue doing a lot of autocross, um, and moving into more lapping days as well. Yeah. Um, We've all got the right machines for it. I might, I might, who knows? I might not be in an STI next year. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm kind of on the fence a bit of what I'm going to end up doing with my 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 daily. Um, It might be something old. It might be something new. Who knows? We'll see. Keep it a surprise for everybody listening. (laughs) Um, But I think that's where we're gonna we're gonna cut it off. We're gonna end it there, Lawrence. I really appreciate you coming in for this episode, and for everyone listening, you can find Lawrence on Instagram at Lawrence Yap. I believe that's it, right? That's it. That's it. Yeah. Uh, Instagram, Twitter. Do you use Twitter. I don't do much? Twitter. No. I got hacked a Neither. few years
1: ago, and I just killed my. Account. Yeah,
0: I don't. Yeah. It's funny. I think it's a Canadian thing. There aren't a lot. Like Twitter just doesn't have the popularity. Well, in and Canada. you've
1: got and you've got some crazy people on Twitter.
0: There's so much, yeah. but yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't do anything that is um, immediate enough that it needs to be on Twitter. So. Yeah. Um, anyways, find Lawrence at Lawrence Yap on Instagram. Um, you can find him. You can go, you know, probably visit him at Faf if you wanted to someday. Yeah, drop me a line before you do because <laughs> yeah. we have
1: 15 different locations or something. You're so. like,
0: But I heard he works at Faf. <laughs> yeah. like, no, Which no, one? Not in Guelph. <laughs> yeah. uh, you can find uh, me and us at the bucket seat uh, just about everywhere you can, just at the bucket seat. If you want to contact me directly, I'm trevor at the bucket seat.ca. I've had lots of great input over the last few months, and lots of great support about the upcoming series or, sorry, um, season. So keep sending questions and suggestions and guest ideas. I love all of it, and I really appreciate all of your contributions. And lastly, just do me a huge favor and rate, subscribe, and like the show on iTunes. It helps me in my ratings a ton and also in my quest for finding the right advertising partners. Um, I haven't committed to that yet, but when I do um, and when we have the right partner, um, we'll uh, make sure that uh, it makes sense for everybody listening. Anyways, um, thank you again. Stay tuned. This has been the Bucket Seat Podcast, and I'm your host, Trevor Byrne